Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and ring that notification bell in the upper right-hand corner so you are notified each time we have a brand new episode go live on YouTube. And if you would like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hello, Nate. It's great to be here, as always. And it's always great having you. You caused <laughs> some ripples in the Twitter sphere earlier today, and we will get to that topic in the second half of this episode. But to begin things off, we're going to talk about a surprising announcement that took place just a couple of weeks ago at the Nintendo Direct, and then followed up on Twitter when... Rare, Nintendo, and Microsoft finally confirmed and announced that GoldenEye will be making a return to modern platforms, though with a slight caveat when it comes to the Xbox version. When GoldenEye finally does release on Xbox, it's going to be part of Rare Replay. And one of the caveats is that the game will not have online multiplayer, and this caused shockwaves through the online community where people were very upset by this. And there was a lot of speculation as to, was this a maneuver by Nintendo to ensure that they had the best version of this N64 classic? And we've looked into this a bit. And the conclusion is not that sinister. It's actually pretty mundane. But I found it interesting, and I felt as though it was worthy of addressing. So... One thing I believe a lot of people don't know is that Rare Replay had multiple developers. It wasn't strictly Rare, which I believe is the case a lot of people would have you think. There was a co-developer, and the co-developer is a company known as Code Mystics. Now, Code Mystics is known for their emulation work, and their emulators were used for a lot of the old rare games in the collection which makes up the majority so when goldeneye is coming to rare replay it's going to be using this emulator and this emulator has we'll call it restrictions and these restrictions are things we've seen with conquer's bad fur day jet force gemini and one of those restrictions is it does not add in online multiplayer for these games and GoldenEye is going to be another case where we are not going to have online support. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right, Nate. Um, I'm glad we're actually talking about this because I was um, on vacation when the Direct dropped and I never got a chance to you know sit down with you and kind of talk through the GoldenEye stuff, which I think is, is very interesting that it's the way that it was announced and mm-hmm. and like you said, the the apparent lack of features that we would come to expect we would see with a game that came out on Xbox, including Game Pass, I might add as well. But yeah, I mean, it just seems like that what we're getting here is, you know, I, I don't want to say it's, um, it's, you know, um, something where 
the developers don't care about. They absolutely care about this because this is GoldenEye. There are a lot of eyes, no pun intended, on this release because <laughs> there is a you know a a barrage of GoldenEye fans that exist out there, and I'm I'm certainly one of them. I, I love the game, you know, um, but I also I'm also very mindful of the fact that it probably hasn't aged particularly well uh, in this generation. But we, we'll get to that. And look, there are a lot of GoldenEye fans that were waiting eagerly for an announcement. We we saw the achievement leaks earlier this year. We knew something was happening. Nate, you and I, we've been talking about GoldenEye on this show for since the show started. You know, like we're, we're, we've known <laughs> we've known stuff about GoldenEye. You know, GoldenEye has been been a thing that that we've we've talked about before, um, and it's finally here. And I don't know, like. I guess people expected that we would get the XBLA version, um, mm-hmm. and I never really felt like that would that was going to happen. Especially when we saw the achievement leak, when we saw those screenshots on the achievements themselves, they just looked like they were upscaled, but like there was no enhancements to textures or anything. Mm-hmm. And you quite rightly mentioned that, yeah, this is going to run a emulator, an N64 emulator that was developed by Code Mystics, which is what they use for the Rare Replay stuff. And I guess this emulator was never sufficiently developed to incorporate a multiplayer stack, you know, on top of the emulation itself. So unfortunately, as a result of that, we're getting local you know, co-op play or local multiplayer, I should say, for the Xbox version. And because the NSO offers the kind of generic ad hoc, um, one-size-fits-all multiplayer experience for all the NSO games where it just does kind of the lockstep um, multiplayer stuff, then it's kind of added that's been added as uh, it's almost like a freebie that you're getting with the NSO, but it, it's, it's a feature that mm-hmm. comes with the NSO. So of course they're going to announce that it's getting multiplayer. And all of a sudden it seems like the NSO version is the one that people really want to get. And the Xbox one is a bit of a novelty. It's a passing interest for the most part, but I don't know. Like I think the way that, we've come to this point with GoldenEye is not anything that any of us really expected that would happen. I'm a little disappointed that we're not getting multiplayer, multiplayer at least on the Xbox side. I would have felt that both versions would be would be parity with each other, but that has not been the case at all. In fact, it seems like where we're not getting the um, multiplayer on the Xbox side, we're getting some enhancements, including 16 by nine, um, a, an improved control um, scheme apparently. And they call it a consistent refresh rate. Now, Nate, I don't know how you <laughs> translate uh, marketing, but a consistent refresh rate for me doesn't mean 60 FPS. It means it's probably just going to be locked at 30 or locked at 20 or whatever GoldenEye runs at. I don't even know. Uh, it'll be smoother, but it won't be it won't be sixty frames per second. So, um, I'm um, I'm a little perplexed at the whole thing, but I think you know if there's anything I, I, I can say about this, really, I feel like this is something that 
not much money was thrown into the ring for this. And I think most of that money was probably spent making sure that both Nintendo and Microsoft um, would be willing to work together to get, get their games or this game out on their respective consoles. Yeah, I mean, the mountains that were moved to make this project a reality is something that one has to acknowledge. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, this took sure. a big effort from all parties involved, and that's Nintendo, MGM, and Eon, mm-hmm. and Microsoft. And, you know, to see the fruits of their labor actually come to fruition is yes. just mind-boggling. It is. I mean, it's, if you look at Phil Spencer's interviews talking about GoldenEye going back years ago, He's always said, you know, we've tried um, to to do this and it's never worked out for us, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, there's so many so many players that are involved um, that are just constant roadblocks. I mean, you know, reacquiring the bond license, um, talking to Nintendo about getting getting the game on the NSO, all, all that stuff. I mean, um, talking to Eon, get, getting their buy-in, um, any of Dan Jack, maybe. I, I don't even know if they're still involved. They might be still involved. But there, there are so many people that have some stake in GoldenEye, and it's never been something that was ever able to get mounted in the past. But, yeah, you're right, Nate. I mean, we, we should absolutely commend... Mm-hmm. The work that's been done here to get this game back at least, at the very least. Yes. And when the Xbox announcement took place and the blog became official that mentioned there would be no online, a lot of the questions that circulated referenced Perfect Dark, which mm-hmm. is part of Rare Replay, but it also omitted a very simple reality. And that is... Perfect Dark was a native Xbox Live Arcade release. It was a native 360 game, and that's why it had online multiplayer. The game wasn't just basic emulation. It was a a true 360 release, whereas GoldenEye in this instance is a remaster. It's a a remaster. It's it's a port um, from original Mm -hmm. source code, not emulation. Right. So, and let me ask you a question real quick. So, you just mentioned Perfect Dark XBLA. So, my elephant in the room question is why wasn't the GoldenEye XBLA version dusted off and used for this release for on the Xbox? Because that's the million dollar question. Because a lot of people right. want to know why. Why do you think that didn't happen? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... It doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. That is the million dollar question, as you said. And when you really look at this situation. 
it looks as though it would be an easy win for all parties involved. You can have NSO get mm-hmm. at GoldenEye and 64 as we remember it, as we are going to get it. Yeah. You could even have Rare Replay get the version that they're going to get, sans online play. Right. People would have said, okay, that's cool. And then you could have had the Xbox Live Arcade version of the complete GoldenEye remaster. It exists. It leaked. People have played it. You've played it. Yes. And you would have figured, now you can offer this as a digital-only, let's say $20 release on the Xbox Store and the Nintendo eShop. Because right now, GoldenEye on the Xbox that's going to be coming out cannot be bought individually. It is strictly part of Rare Replay. That is correct. Imagine having those options of, here's the Rare Replay version, and then you have this enhanced version for $20 on both platforms that would have online multiplayer and more modern features, upgraded graphics, improved textures. Both parties would win in that scenario, right? Yeah, you'd say so. Like, yeah, I don't really see a negative for either party in that scenario. The only one I could really even fathom, and it's a stretch, is that Microsoft would have that game part of Game Pass. Right. Whereas it would be $20 standalone buy on the eShop. But that's not to say, you know, Nintendo couldn't have negotiated some deal with Microsoft to make it part of the expansion pass like we've seen with the Splatoon 2 campaign DLC, the Mario Kart DLC. Like, I'm sure if this was a avenue that was really considered, they could have negotiated something like that. But my belief is the reason we're not getting the remaster, it isn't because of Nintendo. And despite public speculation, who would claim it is Nintendo, I'm going to put the blame on MGM. I'm going to put the blame on an individual who is in charge of the James Bond IP. And that individual is Barbara Broccoli. Last year, Barbara said in an interview that she was not a fan of prior Bond games because she felt as though they were violence for the sake of violence. And GoldenEye has a history with that type of reception. Yeah. If you may recall, when the game was in development for the N64, Shigeru Miyamoto met with Rare, and he felt as though the game was too violent. Mm-hmm. I and, remember, yep. and how Rare approached this was the ending credits, they made it as though every character in the game is an actor. They made it as though the game was a movie. Right. And that was enough for Miyamoto to say, okay, that's a good way to solve this problem. Yeah. That way you're not killing people. They're just actors. They just fell over. They pretended. Right. And the fact that Broccoli has felt this way about Bond games is one reason that the developers of Hitman at IO Mm -hmm. have been granted the license because... I understand the name of the franchise is Hitman. Immediately you would think violence, but look at how you can approach missions, how you 
do kill targets. It could be poison, yep. stealth, a numerous ways. And when you look at Bond movies, James Bond isn't just walking around gunning people down right. like you do in GoldenEye. You're really only, you know, killing a handful of people in a Bond film. So Golden, but GoldenEye is a lot more intense. So I think the reason the remaster is not coming out is Barbara Broccoli, Broccoli is not a fan mm-hmm. of the violence depicted in the game and modernizing it with enhanced visuals was simply too much for her. I don't disagree with what you say, um, especially the Nintendo part. I think you're right. I think it's easier to say this is Nintendo's fault and they should be blamed for this. But no, I agree with you on that. Um, the Barbara Broccoli stuff is interesting, especially her, her comments, and that's not something that you can just disregard as well. But honestly, Nate, I think for me, and this is my opinion, um, I feel like the main overarching reason why we're getting what we're getting and nothing more is down to money. And that has to do with the amount of money that was invested in this project. It doesn't feel like they they wanted to spend, when I say they, I'm talking about both Nintendo and Microsoft, wanted mm-hmm. to invest too much money to get GoldenEye running on their respective platforms. If you think about it, we know Rare Replay exists. We know that Code Mystics has built an N64 emulator for Rare Replay. So getting GoldenEye running on emulation probably already worked when they built Rare Replay all those years ago. Um, And it was really just a matter of of enhancing, doing some enhancements to the graphics and the control system and smoothing out some frame rates to get something that um, they could say, this is a good addition to Rare Replay and or we can drop on Game Pass so, you know, it feels like from a budget perspective on the N64, uh, sorry, on the Xbox side, there wasn't that much of an investment. And then on the Nintendo side, adding it to the NSO, a best case scenario is they didn't need to do anything. It just works with the N64 emulator. They didn't need to tweak anything. The worst case is they probably may have had to tweak the emulator in parts to get GoldenEye running, but we already know that they have a multiplayer stack that, you know, for the most part works okay. Um, I mean, it's not the best, but it does the job, I would say. So I just, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, um, and I don't know where where the message came from, but someone in someone in this chain that that's involved said, I want to do this for less than, million dollars and that's just a number i'm throwing i don't know that's if that's how much it costs i i want to do it for a million dollars you know what what can mm-hmm. we do for a million dollars and this, this is probably what we got you know um the i guess the lowest common denominator almost on, on both systems if you will so I, that's that's kind of how why i'm seeing this but i i do agree that nintendo you know was not gatekeeping this or or you know influencing this too much i feel like um, they were like, well, yeah, we can we can certainly add GoldenEye because we have the means to do so. And mm-hmm. it would be a really cool thing for the fans if, if Xbox is bringing it back for, for Rare Replay. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard the stories of how Nintendo has been very protective of this game mm-hmm. and that, you know, they had blocked the original release on Xbox years ago. Yep. And it was... Basically a done deal. It was 
ready for release and Nintendo came in at the last minute and said, no. Yeah, and Nintendo doesn't, doesn't even acknowledge the XBLA version. Like, if you if you interviewed them tomorrow, they would just deny it, like, that it ever existed. Like, to them, it, it, it's not anything that they even know about. I mean, of course they know about it, but they will never acknowledge that in a public forum, that, that particular version. Yeah, officially it doesn't yeah. exist. Right. Despite it being, you know, it's leaked. You can watch footage. You can download. You can download the ROM and play it. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it is a very interesting situation, especially the conversation around it, because immediately it was just a case of, well, Nintendo has online, Xbox doesn't. That had to be micro. That had to be Nintendo's doing to one up Microsoft. And no. the truth is just so much more boring. Yeah. That it's. This is just a rare replay game, and there's numerous games on rare replay that do not have online, as we mentioned, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. And Nintendo's API for NSO for N64 is that, yeah, as you mentioned, ad hoc online multiplayer is just a standard feature of it. And that's why Nintendo has it. If this were a virtual console release, like on the Wii U, it would not have online. This is right. one of the benefits from the NSO service. Otherwise, we would have the standard N64 game with no online. Mm-hmm. So as much there is there is to critique about NSO, had yeah. the service not existed, we would not be playing GoldenEye online in the near future. I mean, I guess that's the other thing. You can't just add, I'll say, that N64 NSO flavor of multiplayer on the Xbox side because... You know, you need on the on the Xbox. You want matchmaking. You want leaderboards. You want um, dedicated servers. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want um, load balancing. You want to report spammers and cheaters. And, <laughs> and I mean, it's a different conversation. All of a sudden, it's not a one million dollar budget. It's a five million dollar budget. And again, I feel like it goes back to what I said was. They just wanted to get GoldenEye out. Here it is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Here it is. Everyone asked for it. You have it now. We're going to release this, and we should never talk about this again because we we brought it back like <laughs> what you guys wanted. It's not. It's not what we wanted because we. I think we all wanted a a baseline XBLA version with more enhancements. Because I mean that version came out. Oh my god! I mean that even that version is old now. You know. Yes. Um, so I guess we both were expecting that maybe they would t- they took that as their baseline and got ports running on both the Switch and the Xbox. Uh, I think that's what most of us were hoping for. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was never going to be that. You know, like I said, Nintendo just doesn't acknowledge that that version at all, unfortunately. And and you know, here we are. But yeah, adding adding multiplayer to the Xbox. Um, it's not just as easy as saying, "Oh, we'll just we'll just take what what happened on the on the on the switch and add it on the Xbox." It's mm-hmm. it's a different conversation, and it's all about you know the features and the services that Xbox provides with their online infrastructure that people come to expect. I mean, I would not be happy if they did drop multiplayer on the Xbox, but they didn't have matchmaking or leaderboards or stuff like that. It would it would still. I think a lot of people would still be very unhappy about that as well. But 
you know, unfortunately, we didn't get any of it. And, you know, here we are talking about it today. So, well, you do get achievements. We do so get achievements, should, which is nice. Should appease yep. some people. Yep. yep. But, I mean, overall, I really just want, I really want to address the speculation where a lot of people just thought it was Nintendo preventing a greater release from happening and in reality it's just it's it's not nintendo it's far more basic unexciting and yeah we could still speculate over the hopes and dreams of maybe one day Mm. that xbla version can come to a store but you know as i was talking i feel as though unless the Broccoli family is willing to embrace what the Bond games used to be. Because it's not just GoldenEye. It's all the GoldenEyes from N64. Right. GameCube generation. They were first-person shooters. They were, yeah, they were violent games. And those are the games she is not proud of. She does not believe they are worthy of the Bond license. And we have not had a Bond game since Xbox 360 was Bloodstone. Oh yeah, and you're right. We haven't had so that's about a decade ago. What about and Quantum of Solace? Was that oh, before yes. or after? I think I want to say that was before. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, actually. And we have we've gone a long time without a Bond game, so you can tell there's definitely a reason that MGM and Eon, Dan Jack, mm-hmm. you know, the Bond holders, the Broccoli family, that we haven't seen it. They finally did grant the license to the hitman developers and hopefully we see what their vision is because i think they do have potential to make a bond that is true to the movies and it's just gonna be a question of is that gonna be a fun experience for the gamer because every time we played a bond game it was more of a first person or a third person shooter as opposed to actually being a spy and infiltrating and you know using your tools and gadgets to yeah. solve environmental puzzles and overcome the enemies who I would imagine are going to have pretty advanced AI from the Hitman development team. So it's an exciting project, though we know nothing about it. But it's I'm interested to see their direction and see how it compares to the old violent Bond games. And you know, hopefully we see a trailer for that in the relative near future. But for now... We get to revisit the GoldenEye classic that we played 25 years ago on our N64. And, I mean, personally, yes, I'll play it on the Xbox, but I have an N64 controller for the Switch. Honestly, that's, I, that's I, the way I played the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious <laughs> to see what they've done with the control options. They're saying that, you know, they've improved, um, you know, they've added dual analog stick support. So if it does have that Halo-style control scheme... That would actually yeah, go a long know. way, you know, to to make the game feel more modern. But right now, at least on paper, Nate, I'm leaning towards the NSO version, you know, of this game. Now, here's a question for you, because in theory, it should work flawlessly. N64, I'm talking native N64, mm-hmm. did support dual analog controls. That is you just true. had to use two N64 controllers. That should still be a feature when it comes to NSO. Yes, that is correct. Also, also, now I'm getting excited. There was a secret <laughs> Sinclair Spectrum emulator um, found in yes. the code. Uh, 
Yeah. So I wonder what they're going to do there. Knowing Nerd, they've probably just disabled that, but I wonder if it's mm. possible to uh, to um, pull that up. Going to have to check out both the Code yeah. Mystic version on Rare Replay mm-hmm. and the Nintendo version on NSO when it comes out. I am curious to see what they've done there. That that would be that'd be kind of cool if they if they um, they forgot to uh, do that. But uh, yeah, even, I mean, even the dual analog on the N sixty four is going to be an interesting thing to see if they left that in. That because will be I, that. That will be interesting to see if, if they do that. I, I mean, hope. I hope so. Because, I mean, even just with a, imagine having, like, you have the N64 controller or even, like, you have your Joy-Con. A lot more people may be able to play dual analog GoldenEye N64 now than mm-hmm. you would have way back when. Because a lot of people didn't know that was even a feature. Right. So now it's more common knowledge. And that's probably going to be the first thing I really check out to see if it's still there. I mean, I think for me, it's really about, how the game looks and, and feels. Um, I mean, this is one of those games where I, I've played it so much, I know what it looks like and know how it feels to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let's be honest, the frame rate is abysmal when, when we talk about 2022 standards. <laughs> I mean, it's not good. Um, it was it's not good, good at all. for us back then. It, it was. <laughs> but this is one game that really needs help. And I think... That's the that's kind of the part where I just feel like, man, I wish they just did a little bit more with this. You know, on the Xbox side, it seems like they've done some work to it. On the Nintendo side, it's like, here you go, ha- have the emulator and the ROM. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are ways to overclock N sixty four emulators and 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 you know, um, uh, untether you know, frame rates and stuff or unlock frame rates. Would be nice if if they looked into that but unfortunately we're just going to get the game again um which you know i'll play it i i really like the game but i don't know nate I, I just feel like it's more a case of here it is you asked for it you got it and now we shall never speak about this again never ask us for anything again never ask us for anything <laughs> again you want a golden eye we listened we listened to go. all the fans for many years we listened to <laughs> all your cries to bring this game back. And now it's back. Now, this is the last question I have for you on this topic. And it goes with how they announced this game, Mm -hmm. where it was in the direct during the NSO sequence. It was then announced on Twitter for Xbox. And it was simply given a coming soon date. We are now at the, as of recording, we're entering the last day of September. Mm -hmm. And the game hasn't been dated and it hasn't released. Now, that's not to say it didn't shadow drop the next day after recording this, but let's <laughs> assume it didn't. Don't you find it odd that a game of this magnitude wasn't giving a release date immediately because it feels as though this is a title that should have just been a shadow drop. And now that you actually have time to consume and digest mm-hmm. that the Xbox version doesn't have online, that it isn't the XBLA remastered version that it's something more basic that you've kind of lost a little steam and the longer it goes between the announcement and release a lot of that excitement is waning yes i agree with you it should have been a shadow drop i think if they announced it and then dropped it yeah i mean people would have still been like damn i wish it was the xbla version but 
there would have been that overwhelming hype that was going on. People would have downloaded yeah. it immediately and They're started like, Yo, playing. It's, yeah. it's Goldeneye. I can't wait to, you know, replay the dam and yeah. the facility and the frigate. And now that's kind of faded a bit. Like, I'm still excited to return to the game because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite games. They should have at least Even put a music player campaign. in the game. Come on. At least add a music player option in there <laughs> where you can just, <laughs> yeah. Like what, like what they did with um, 3D All-Stars or something where you can just cycle through the music tracks. Yeah. But hopefully they give us a date soon. They gave us just coming soon. In Japan, it was given a release window of 2023. We didn't get that here in the West. Hmm. So we're just left wondering when is the right time for GoldenEye to come out? There was definitely a hope it was going to come out in September because September did not have an N64 NSO game, at least as of recording. And it just felt as though that's the whole reason it was part of the Direct because it was going to drop this month and nothing has come. We got we got Banjo Kazooie last December, didn't we? Yes. I feel like we're getting Goldeneye in December. But you see, they dated three games for the remainder of 2022 with the two Mario parties, mm-hmm. and I believe the other game is Pilot Wings. So you're so saying with no game in we're not September uh, unless we're getting a double up month. We. Could I guess? Or we could it like could the, drop tomorrow, and we don't even yeah. know. And we don't know because we're recording before <laughs> it before it releases. And if that happens, we don't need a thousand comments saying Golden Eyes out right now. We'll do you know. do you think it's coming this year, or do you think it's a next year? Because like coming soon, this what does that even mean? Like it means. means yeah, it's like, it, for me, it means don't worry about the game for a while. My, see, the fact that Japan has 2023 in their trailer and we just had coming soon makes me think it's 2022. Because if it's 2023, I would really question why did you announce it when you did? Yeah. This doesn't need three, four months, five, six months of buildup. As we said, this should have been a shadow drop. Right. And... I'm surprised. I just question that longevity of a marketing cycle for this type of release. The less between announcement and release would have benefited the game. So the deeper we get into the year, if the game isn't out, I think kind of it lessens the impact that the release will have. Yeah. So, I mean, I would estimate we still have a decent percentage that we are going to get a double month Mm -hmm. on NSO this year where GoldenEye would fit in. But it is definitely curious how Japan has 2023 as yeah. the slated release year of the game, and we don't. That's true. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. I, I don't, I don't, Unfortunately. I, can, I don't know when this is coming. Like, part of me just kind of feels like, eh, just don't worry about it for a while, you know? Yeah, be surprised when yeah. it, we see it on Twitter. Yeah. Which, again, could happen literally the yeah. day before this airs that's true and i you know <laughs> and you're right Nate. like I, i've already got my preconceived notions about this um you, they should have just shadow dropped this you know um because like i'm gonna try both versions out because you know i'm a goldeneye fan and I, and I have i have rare replay so you know i'm definitely downloading it on both but i guess i'm just not really expecting anything too earth-shattering here but having golden eye on the nso service i mean on paper that is 
that's a huge get, you know, for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And having GoldenEye 007 on Rare Replay is a huge get for Microsoft. So, you know, it's it's a good thing ultimately. It's not the result that we wanted, but, you know, is it ever in video games? Do we ever get what we what we want? Most of the time we don't. No. Most of the time no, we don't. No, I mean, it's, it's like every year you have people around this time of year saying, wow, look to... 2023 because you had a lot of games get delayed out of 2022 into 2023 2023 is going to be the best year ever in games and then everything you look forward to gets delayed out of the year and then 2024 is going to be the best year ever it's never the best year ever yeah and it it will never be the best year ever i still want a bloodborne patch are we ever going to get one probably no because it takes two lines of code and they won't do it exactly i mean (laughs) that's i mean that sounds ridiculous nate but it also is probably the reason why they won't do it. You know? Yep. It's so simple they won't do it. Yeah. And now you angered people today. Oh God. What have, what have I done? What you went do? to Twitter. And that was your first mistake. You used Twitter. <laughs> Fair enough. And Bethesda announced Skyrim Anniversary Edition for the Nintendo Switch today. And the price tag of the game is $70. And you went to Twitter and you said <laughs> $70 Switch games are here. <laughs> and you got off. You got thousands of likes. Uh, you uh, sparked conversation and you angered many. As of the making of this episode, Nate, I have 5,784 likes, 618 retweets, 584 comments, and 273 quote tweets. That's a lot. Yeah, for a little throwaway uh, half a million impressions. I even got two new followers from from it as well, so hey. that's cool. Thank you for following me on Twitter. Um, so for, for I'm going to give for you a throwaway tweet. I'm going to give you this opportunity, okay, to expand <laughs> and clarify <laughs> your stance on seventy dollars. Switch games are here. Okay, so I was mostly trolling when I when I made this tweet, and and see one thing about my Twitter, people really need to understand is I'm hardly ever serious about using Twitter. I never get on there to actually post anything that's meaningful unless I'm announcing something. Um, But essentially, if you look at this on face value, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim Anniversary Edition, like I said, on face value, is retailing for $70 on the eShop. So one could say that this is a $70 Switch game. But if you do look deeper, and people were quite right to point this out in the, in the comments, it's effectively just the game plus some DLC, which has an added cost associated to it. And this is not really anything that's anything new. There are other digital uh, versions of games that cost more than you know, recommended retail price of a Switch game, which is $60 in the US. Uh, I think, you know, even Zelda, link, um, the um, the, yes. the Zelda game has, has a similar thing, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. And yeah, people were quite right to tell me that, look, this is not anything new. This is not the dawn of $70 Switch games, all of a sudden, you know, Bayonetta 3 and, and whatnot it aren't going to start charge or Nintendo's not going to start charging us $70 for those. And look, they're right. I think for me, it's really about just 
the way this was presented that I thought was was interesting. Um, if you just look at this, you just think, well, this is a $70 game. But I, I think the reason why I made the tweet above and beyond anything else, Nate, is that it's Skyrim. I mean, how many times can we resell Skyrim at, at full price? And for whatever reason, on the Switch, Nintendo and or Bethesda, and I don't know who's on the hook for this, maybe both, and maybe you, you can kind of explain it better than I can, but this game still costs $60. Like a physical version still costs $60. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they haven't... I mean, I swear you can get this game for $10 everywhere else. Maybe, maybe not that large, but <laughs> it's one of those games that just, for whatever reason, just won't go away, and the price is now 70 for the anniversary edition. So I, I think that was the main reason for my tweet. $70 when you look at it at face value, plus the fact that it's Skyrim, a game that is over 10 years old and it should be basically given away for free at this point. The pricing of the game is interesting, not in the sense that there's a $70 DLC bundle version, because that's a standard practice we've seen numerous games on switch as you mentioned breath of the wild has an 80 dollars option on the eShop, which includes the expansion pack and that came out back in december of 2017 where you get the base game plus the expansion 80 dollars, nice and simple so this is a very standard thing I've seen it time and time again over the last five years but as you mentioned with the skyrim pricing is the base game is still 60 dollars and Bethesda games we typically see, especially at retail, go on sale quite quickly. I believe Rage 2 was down to like $30 after only mm-hmm. maybe about six months when that game launched. Yeah. Even Death even Deathloop, when it came out on the PS5, I believe you got it on yeah. Black Friday for I did. $30, $35? I think it was $29.99. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was half price. And that game came out in September, so we're only talking two months. So we've seen a trend when Bethesda brings games to market and how quickly we see steep discounts. The fact that Skyrim retail on Switch is still $60 is a curiosity. And as you mentioned, the factoring in of Nintendo. So when the game originally launched back in 2017, the game was published and distributed by Nintendo. And that was the case for a lot of the early Bethesda games on the platform. So that includes Doom 2016, Mm -hmm. as well as Wolfenstein 2. Now, the reason I bring it up is because when you have a retail copy still sitting at $60, which in this situation, I would imagine Nintendo is the one setting the retail price. Right. Because they are the publisher and distributor. So the game is sitting at $60. Well, now you come. Now you're Bethesda. Mm-hmm. You're in charge of the eShop pricing. Yes. So here comes the anniversary edition. They may want to come in at a lower price, but if Nintendo is not going to drop the price of the retail copy, that doesn't give Bethesda a lot of flexibility when it comes to digital pricing. Now, yes, could they negotiate a deal of saying, Nintendo, you're still distributed in game. Can you bring down the retail price to? $40. Let's have parity with the Xbox and PlayStation version. We will have the anniversary edition upgrade of mm-hmm. $20, mm-hmm. which is the fee across all platforms. 
and it would give it pricing parity of $60 for the now content complete version of Skyrim. Right. Instead, Nintendo's coming in a little higher than the other versions. And it it does seem as though Nintendo could be the reason for that because mm-hmm. they're not dropping the price of that retail version. Now, I want to emphasize this is speculation based on the knowledge that Nintendo is the retail publisher. Yes. But the fact that Skyrim is still full priced at retail, I believe even Doom 2016 may still be $60, which right. I mean, think of that. I think it probably is. I'm going to look right now, actually, while you we keep talking. I, I would say so. Even check uh, Wolfenstein 2. Doom 2016 Switch is full price. Yep. And okay. then... I mean, if, if Wolfenstein 2 is also full price, I think we can come away with the conclusion that it's Nintendo who is setting the retail prices of these games. Wolfenstein 2 Switch is $60. Yep, New Colossus. Now, That's crazy. if you were to look up those games on other platforms, they're oh, not $60. Yeah. No, they're no. They're probably no. 20 Yeah. So it feels as though Nintendo could be the reason that this anniversary edition is priced what it is because of their inflexibility to drop the price of the retail copy and now we don't have the sales data in front of us skyrim could still be selling well at full price we know nintendo is very reluctant to drop the price of their own games at retail so it seems as though that is being mirrored here for the bethesda games and it's kind of created this unique scenario And as you've clarified your point, I have seen those on social media who have gone as far to claim that this is Bethesda exploring the possibility of releasing $70 games on the Switch platform due to inflation and that other third parties will also explore this avenue. But my counter to that is, We've seen third-party publishers charge $80, $90 for their gold editions, their deluxe editions. Mm-hmm. Mario and Mario Rabbid Sparks of Hope has a gold edition on the eShop right now, $80. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, the extra content. NBA 2K, the yeah. Michael Jordan edition is $90, where you get early access, you get all those, you know, extra content. This isn't a new thing to the industry. And it's also not a third-party publisher trying to push their limits to raising prices in a disguised manner. This is just the, like I have Skyrim on switch. I got it five years ago. Yeah. If I want to get all these, this new content cost me 20 bucks. Yeah. Now, if I don't want the new content, you know, I don't have to upgrade. And if you haven't played Skyrim yet and you're curious about getting it on the switch and you want content complete, yes, it will cost you $70 or, Maybe you can find Skyrim base version on sale used somewhere for 30 bucks. You spend the 20, cost you 50. There's still options out there. Had this anniversary edition replaced the base version on the eShop as the only option at $70, I would be outraged at that maneuver. Yeah, and that's happened before. I mean, not not Nintendo, but that's definitely happened before. Yeah, we've seen it with Sony. Grand Theft Auto Trilogy Edition, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've yeah. seen those type of comps to do it with like Steam listings and yeah. such. 
where third parties pull. So since that's not happening here, I'm not outraged by this price. It's just the DLC bundle price. Yeah. There's a lot of listings on the eShop you can go through right now. Nintendo has many beyond Breath of the Wild. They have them for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. They oh, have yeah. it for Hyrule Warriors. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's really not- just a way to get the consumer to say, eh, you know what, for an extra $10, I get more content. So I'll, I'll download that version. Right. It's, it's not anything new. It, like I said, for me, it's just, number one, it's Skyrim. So why? And then number two, it's, <laughs> you just look at it. You look at that screenshot and you're like, well, why are they charging 70 bucks? I mean, once you kind of dig into it more, you you, you can definitely quantify what's going on mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. But yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting that Mark uh, Nintendo is going to start pushing $70 games going forward. I mean, maybe with the next generation of hardware they bring out, maybe they look at their pricing and they they start doing that. Um, but we're not we're not there yet. Um, and I think right. you know you, you mentioned Doom 2016 as mm-hmm. as a good example. Doom Eternal is another great example um, in recent times where. LRG is doing Doom Eternal. And I believe they're charging $60 for it, which is which is what you would expect, right? Mm-hmm. But that game is, I believe it's going to be a 32 gigabyte cartridge. So if there was any game that okay. was going to, you know, suffer a, a price increase, maybe that was the one, but no, it hasn't. So... Yeah, look, I, I, I think you know, I was just basically going for some some clicks and some clickbait. But honestly, Nate, <laughs> I didn't really think six thousand people were going to like that tweet. I thought it was going to be a couple of hundred likes, and then I'd move on to the next one. You know? Yeah, you got a lot of support <laughs> on that. Where people are like, people were like, they're actually mad at like Bethesda over the situation. <laughs> and when I saw it, I'm looking into. It, I was like, this actually saves you. Ten dollars over yeah. buying the base version and the DLC DLC separately. Yeah, it's ten dollars cheaper, and I wasn't really grasping the outrage of it. And then I saw some of it was more based on what you were mentioning that Skyrim just shouldn't be yeah. sixty dollars anymore. I think that's the thing and, that most people were really just weird on. You know, like why is this mm, game still being still sold for full price? Full. But but honestly, I mean. Nintendo, Nintendo does what Nintendo does. And, and look, Skyrim is one of those evergreen games that even though we're sick and tired of talking about it because it's been around for such a long time, over numerous generations of hardware, going back to the 360 days, let's let's remember that, right? Um, yeah. Having a handheld version on the Switch is definitely, you know, there's definitely a lot of appeal with, with doing that. I think... When Skyrim was first announced on the Switch, people lost their minds that the game was coming to the Switch, you know. <laughs> um, so, look, Nintendo, you know, for whatever reason, hasn't cut the price. Maybe they will one day, but, you know, I just I just found it interesting that they're still charging full price for this on top of, you know, the DLC. Um, I think it's that's, that's the key thing for me. And I think a lot of people, they're not aware that Nintendo is the retail publisher and you don't believe us go oh, find a physical copy yeah, look, look back at the, the back cover. at the yeah. UPC code and it yep. will say published by nintendo yeah and i mean remember when the game came out you can find 
a Breath of the Wild tunic. You can get the Master Sword. Nintendo really prioritized Skyrim coming to Switch, and they treated it as a big release for their platform. Oh, yeah. It was part of their marketing buzz for the NX or the Switch at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a big deal. So it's a big deal, and it's still a big enough deal that Nintendo feels as though they can charge $60 for it. And, (laughs) I mean, this is a unique situation where if Nintendo's retail pricing is indeed preventing Bethesda from dropping the digital price to something more, I don't want to use the term fair, but more affordable. You'd almost want to be in the room where these discussions are happening because, I mean, I do see Skyrim does go on sale. It typically goes on sale to about $29.99, so 50% off. Yeah. But you would think that should maybe be the standard price. But as we mentioned, Doom 2016, you know, yes, that goes on sale as well. Wolfenstein 2 goes on sale as well. But the fact that if you go to the store to buy a sealed copy of this, that they're full priced this far after they came out, it's because of Nintendo. And I would love to be able to interview someone at Nintendo and Bethesda, more so Bethesda, Mm -hmm. and ask about the pricing structure and how is Nintendo's retail pricing preventing them from dropping giving a permanent price drop to a digital game because you don't really see Sony or Microsoft distribute physical copies of third-party games. And you can make a reference to I am 8-bit limited run games or any of those type of companies. But keep in mind, LRG is a limited print. They take the pre-orders, whatever they sell, that's all that's printed unless they do a yeah, you know, supply to Best Buy. So that's not going to make way forward or whomever they're partnered with Konami say, well, we're not going to, because your copy at LRG sold for $60 two months ago and pre-orders are now closed, we can do a digital sale to 10 cents if we want to. Right. Because your copies aren't going to sit on shelves forever like Nintendo's copies are. So it's a, it's not an apples to apple comparison. It's very different. So I would love for Bethesda to really feel that question one day. Maybe we'll get the opportunity because I'd be curious to their answer of whether or not Nintendo is preventing a digital price drop. What about this question? Microsoft Mm. owns Bethesda now. Yes. So why is this game being updated (laughs) and for the Switch? Money to be made. I guess. But, you know, weren't we told... You know, we're only going to support games where Game Pass exists. Wasn't wasn't that the message from Phil? Well, I mean, as you mentioned, Skyrim has lived longer than really it should have. Yeah, it's just that evergreen title that it just keeps. It's it's on every platform. And it's going to be on every platform for the foreseeable future. Oh yeah, for sure. And if you can. can continue to support it with new content and updates and you can charge $20 for a bunch of new content in the game to a, and we don't even know the sales figures for Skyrim on switch. We had a rough estimate when the game launched, but let's say you still have an engaged base of a couple of million people, $20, you can get a, you know, 10% of them to upgrade, or you could have a whole new audience now buy the game at $70. Right. There's money to be made. And a lot of the new content, I believe, was from mod creation. That's that's correct, yes. So yep. 
I mean, really how much effort was put into this Switch specific port, considering I think this came to Xbox and PlayStation around this time last year. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you can bring it to the Switch, you're going to do it. And obviously, you know, Bethesda and I guess Microsoft to some extent saw value in doing it. And I'm sure there's a lot of happy Switch owning Skyrim fans who have already upgraded their versions and spent an additional $20 to go fishing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, the, the whole thing for me is, um, I don't know, I just, I thought it was hilarious when I saw that today, um, <laughs> that Skyrim is still being pushed on the Switch. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, there must be, must be some data that, nintendo has that we don't know about that suggests that it's still quite popular otherwise you know why why talk about it you know in 2022 but (laughs) it's just that one of those games that will just never go away you know i think that's right the switch revision switch 2 whatever comes next there'll be skyrim there'll be skyrim on there (laughs) i I guarantee you there'll be a version of skyrim that runs on whatever's next (laughs) You'll be Fusro dying, whatever. <laughs> Probably. Um, but, hey, uh, I stand by my tweet. I stand by my tweet. I get it. It's not... Switch games aren't just, you know, suddenly becoming $60 purchases. That's not what I'm saying. 70 70 Sorry. $70 purchases. That's not what I'm saying. I just... Uh, I thought it was hilarious that we're still talking about Skyrim. Full price Skyrim. Full price. In 2022. And we'll be talking about it in 2032. (laughs) Good times. We can go to some of the Streamlabs questions we have for this week. And our first one comes from Durag Vince, who donated $3.55. And they write, hey, pal. Can you provide an update on WWF No Mercy and WWE SmackDown Here Comes the Pain remasters? Are those things? Yeah, I was going to ask, is that something that you know about? Was was that something that's been announced as remasters? Because I've never heard of that before. I mean, I hope those come true. <laughs> I didn't know. Is, is this more a of thing. a hopes and wishes type type question? Because I'd Maybe. love to see I'd love to see them. Especially Here Comes the Pain. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome to see that get redone. Yeah, I'm not aware of anything like that happening, but let's put it into the universe and will it into existence. Yes. We let's have good luck doing that. Let's make it happen. Here comes the games. Then <laughs> <laughs> had a dollar donation from Jackie G. They write, Would you be opposed to another game in the Last of Us universe if it was set elsewhere and with an and with entirely new characters? No. Personally, this would be how I would like the series to continue. That is what I wanted the Last of Us Part Two to be. I wanted to see a different section of the country or the globe dealing with the pandemic in its own way whether it be the outbreak actually occurring because we already had Joel and Ellie in a post outbreak world, but I would absolutely welcome going to Europe, Asia, wherever and experiencing the outbreak as it happened instead of playing in a already ruined society. I agree with you. I feel like that 
universe has many stories to tell mm-hmm. and they could have branched out and done something else. But I do like where you're going with this, Jackie G, in that, yeah, if they did a third game, which honestly, I don't think they're going to touch The Last of Us again after part two, not because one and two aren't masterpieces. They absolutely are. I just feel like they don't really want to make another game based on everything that's been happening, all the backlash and just all the, all the noise that, that, that game has picked up along the way, which I think most of it is unfair, but whatever. Um, I just think Naughty Dog is moving on to whatever, whatever's next for them, you know? And I think Neil Mm -hmm. Druckmann's already talked about his writing a new story for a a brand new game. So, you know, I, I don't really, other than the faction stuff that is still rumored to come out, which, I think I've said on the show before that I don't even know if it exists as something <laughs> that will ever ship. I'm sure that it exists in the Naughty Dog studios in some capacity, but will the public ever get to play it? I I give it 50-50 at best, honestly. Ooh. Harsh. Then had a $5 donation from Jake. Who writes, as we prepare for the next Switch, do you see Nintendo retiring the Joy-Cons? They have caused they have caused the hardware, they have caused the most hardware issues for the company this generation, and the way the Joy-Cons wiggle on the rails has made me prefer to use my Switch Lite instead. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if it's still a Switch, I believe they will stay with the Joy-Cons. Now, if they pivot to a new concept for hardware, then I would say they will ditch the Joy-Cons. The only generation that Nintendo has really used the same controller twice is really Wii to Wii U. And I guess you could make the argument that GameCube is compatible with Wii U and even Switch in very select situations. Right. But as long as it is still in the Switch family, the Joy-Cons will remain. Yes, they you know maybe they can change in size, they can update the internals to better quality components. But or they can just go along and just ignore it and deny it like they have yeah. for years, mm-hmm. and say it's a small, extremely small <laughs> subsection of our customers that have this problem. Yeah, you know, like ninety percent. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, that's that's hyperbole. But <laughs> yeah, I don't see they'll retire them when they go to a new concept. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, Joy Cons is an integral part of the Switch right now, mm-hmm. so it's not something that they would move away from, unless you, like you said, it's you know completely new concept. And even like for backwards compatibility, you would need yeah. the Joy-Con. So that's why I say like new concept. I'm even considering the possibility that the new concept would strip away switch backwards compatibility, right. where it would just be compatible with whatever the new concept is for software. And hopefully that day does not come because, God, that would be a dumb move. Yeah, you think so. Yeah, no, it's a dumb move, but it's reality and it will happen yeah. because that's how this industry works. Then had a $2 donation from Zoobmer. 
writes, longtime Spawncast listener here, was wondering how difficult it is to develop for the analog pockets. What hoops would people need to jump through to get compatible code and licensing? Well, so the analog pocket is an FPGA device. So I don't really know anything about FPGA programming. Well, let me say it another way. I don't know anything about FPGA programming. So I'm not the best person to ask. But what I will say is the analog pocket is a hobbyist console. It has the open FPGA initiative right now where um, hobbyists are encouraged to build their own cores that run different systems and use on the analog pocket. So I think the topic of licensing doesn't really make any sense. You won't make any money selling FPGA cores on the analog pocket unless you came up with your own designs. But it'll, And I'll just use this as an example. If you wanted to build an FPGA core that ran, we'll say, Virtual Boy games or something like that that hasn't been done yet, um, there's no licensing. It's it's all kind of open source, free, community based stuff. You wouldn't approach Nintendo for that. They would they would at at best ignore you, and at worst tell you you can't do that. Um, which they wouldn't even respond to your claims anyway. But as far as you know, what's involved, I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a FPGA developer. I don't know anything about that side of the of the house. But you know, maybe someone in the comments. Um, can respond to that question better than I can, but I would say, yeah, there's there's not really much risk there. Just just do it if you if you think you have the ability to do so. I then had a dollar donation from Afro Guy. Right, yo, Nate and MVG. My launch switch is showing its age. It has most of the launch unit defects. In both of your personal opinions, should I buy an OLED now or wait for possibly new hardware next year? I don't want to buy an OLED now, only to regret it later. I mean, I would say if you... I mean, I'd buy the OLED now. I'd buy the OLED. I mean, will you regret it later? Maybe, but how long are you going to wait? You know? Um, I, I mean, my best example of this is I just bought a NVIDIA 3080 card and they just announced the 4080s um, literally two weeks later. Was I regretting my purchase? No. Um, That's something that I've wanted for a while and I'm going to get a good couple of years use out of it before I upgrade again. So I don't know. I mean, I can't really, I mean, we can't really tell you when, what's next is coming we have some ideas but it's really of potential yeah it's, po- it's possibility really just our spitballing and speculation i mean we don't really know anything that's absolutely going to happen right uh I, I would i would say you know if your launch model switches is pretty much on the fritz it's falling apart and it's having the defects <laughs> of a system that you bought in 2017 that you've used a lot i'd say go for it make make the make the upgrade yeah i would make the upgrade to the oled i mean at worst you can trade in yeah an oled if the new model does come next year yeah you're not going to get hundred percent of the price, but you're probably going to get a couple of hundred dollars for it. What if the new model doesn't so, come with an OLED screen? 
Wouldn't that be something? That would be something. That would be something. <laughs> but yeah, get the OLED now. I don't worry about regret. Yep, I agree. Just make make. The, I mean, of course, you know we we have to say as well. As long as you're still actively playing the Switch, you know, if there are games you're you're still playing and you're looking at you know Breath of the Wild yeah. two or Tears of the Kingdom and saying <laughs> that's what I want to play. I mean, the OLED screen is beautiful and even if it's not for anything else you will immediately just be drawn to how much better the screen is and i think that's a lot that's enough for many people to really kind of embrace the oled model mm-hmm. switch and it would i mean honestly it would keep you going pretty good until the next revision or whatever's next yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Then had a three dollar and one cent donation from Libardo. Right, hi friends. Here in Colombia, a Switch game, sixty USD, cost a third of the minimum wage, which is what a significant number of people earn here. Given this context, can a Colombian rationalize playing pirated games on their Switches without feeling guilty? Ooh, well. My only response to this is you got to take care of yourself and your family. So whatever way you want to do that, you do you. You know, I'm not going to advocate for pirating games ever because I don't agree with it. But I also will say if, you know, if you have kids to feed, you have a family to take care of, then, you know, you do what you need to do is, is the thing I'll say. I know the morally correct answer to give you is gaming is unfortunately a luxury. It is a privileged hobby. But what I do want to acknowledge is that the pricing structure in South America and other countries well, in this case, we'll, lose, we'll use Colombia, have been unfairly gouged. Mm-hmm. Pricing is too high on software. It does not accurately reflect the income levels of the regions. We've seen this with other companies like Sony and yeah. Brazil, where they charge insane amounts of money for their hardware and software in the region. I spend $120 Australian on the last of us <laughs> part one, 120 yeah. Australian dollars. It's a lot. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't convert, you know, when you take the, the exchange rate into account, it's still a markup there. There's still, mm-hmm. you know, Sony's pocketing more money there. Yes. And, I mean, we have seen on digital stores where some publishers have priced their games more affordable to reflect the regions that the games are in, but due to how account systems work on certain platforms and due to, I hate to say region-free policy, some publishers have been, I don't want to use the word force, but some publishers have opted to raise prices in regions like Mexico and such 
because those in first world countries were changing their region to take advantage of the lower priced software due to conversion rates. And yes, in an ideal world, games would be priced fairly based on the cost of living for your country. As MVG said, I cannot advocate for piracy, but I do understand where you're coming from with this question. And I mean, do put, you know, yourself, your family above all else. Yep. That's what you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. And as mentioned, unfortunately, video games are a luxury hobby. It's very expensive. It's become more expensive in recent years. Even being able to find used games for an affordable price is seems to be a relic of the past. Something MVG and I <laughs> would have been able to take advantage of when we were children of we could go to the store and buy a used game for, you know, $10. We are relics of the past, right? We are. We're antiques. Mm-hmm. We belong in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from with this question in terms of piracy of you just yeah. cannot afford games due to the, you know, due to circumstance. Yeah. I mean, and I guess to counter that, you know, rather than just pirating games, um, a lot more games these days have demos that you can try. Um, many of them will let you save your progress so you can get a, mm-hmm. a really good feel if you actually like the game before you make a purchase. Um, there's also YouTubers and streamers out there that, that will, you know, do let's plays of games as well. So, you know, and, and I, I can't begin to understand the situation you're in as far as, you know, the cost of living in, um, in Colombia. Cause I don't know, you know, mm. but I will also say that, you know, just maybe, um, be uh, selective on on what what your next purchase is. You know, like I, I've bought games where I was just like, "Why did I buy this game? It's absolute, it's absolute crap." Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with sometimes you kind of get caught up in in hype and stuff like that. But you know, maybe um, download that demo and, and try the game out first, uh, or take a look at a couple of reviews. Um, and not only you know positive reviews. Look at look at the negative reviews as well. Um, if it's polarizing, and and kind of make make your own decisions based on that. But yeah, I don't know what the what the answer is there. Um, but I do feel for your situation. And again, you know, I I can't begin to imagine what life would be like as far as the cost of living um, in in Colombia. It sounds sounds yeah. very very expensive. Like, I mean, I understand, and I will acknowledge. You know, we are talking from a place of privilege oh, absolutely. absolutely in this situation yes so i mean and having companies have exploitive practices for pricing in a region is not something that i by any means support right it's piracy is just you know it's not something i can say yeah i support piracy when it comes to you know theft of video games yes because you know it's not an essential is kind of how it comes down to, but yeah, that's where like I understand where you're coming from with this question, and you know if a company is going to exploit 
a region with high pricing that's just not feasible yeah. for people to pay now if that, i could see why you would look to piracy as the right, only option right um and i guess the other other thing i will say is now if you're looking at a game that doesn't exist anymore or if it's not available in your region or you know you can't actually get uh because it's yeah, been emulated been delisted or whatever um then yeah mm-hmm. i mean i would say if the only recourse is to emulate then Do go it. for it you know there's there's really no other option that you have at that point mm-hmm. that was a heavy question it to was. end the night on it was <laughs> i mean it's it really it really has you reflect on you know like for us yeah our place of privilege where as you mentioned you bought games that you then looked at and said what was i thinking yeah plus that you know you have that Nate, if i had to spend 120 dollars on on games in australia if i lived in australia and i was spending i mean not every game is 120 dollars um but you are paying a lot more you know in 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 australia for the same game as you would here in the u.s and you know Australia is is not is not Colombia, but um, I mean people are still paying a lot more money over there for video games than they are over here. And even if I lived in Australia, um, I think I would be very more, much more selective on what I was going to pick up and play versus just buy you know two or three games a month and really enjoy one of them and maybe not the other two as much. You know, and, and I think there are different countries in the world that that yeah, I don't know. I, want, I don't want to call it exploitive, but the prices just don't make sense to me. You know, in some cases they're just ridiculously overpriced, and um, you know, it's not fair to to many people around the world that just want to play games. I think, right? And that was a very real, <laughs> heavy topic to end this episode on. But definitely appreciate that type of question. Yep. Gives us a moment to reflect and yeah. Know, yeah. really evaluate. I agree. And if anyone else has any stories about, you know, their, what they're paying um, in their country, let us know. You know, like I, I, I am curious mm-hmm. to to hear people's takes on this. And I don't wanna I don't wanna ramble on on this topic too long, but you know, we hear about Sony increasing prices around the world, except in the US, and we hear these things. But I haven't really heard much from the people in those countries that have been affected by it. So if you have a story to tell, just let us know in the comments. We'll we'll take a look mm-hmm. at it. Yes, absolutely. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And let us know your thoughts on today's topics, which were GoldenEye and $70 Switch games and how MVG angered the Twitterverse. (laughs) In the comments section below, let us know your thoughts on the $70 game. My job is done. Your job is done. (laughs) And your thoughts on the GoldenEye situation and whether or not you agree that maybe the Broccoli family is the reason the XBLA remaster didn't come to market. And if you still think Nintendo is the reason Microsoft didn't get online in their version of GoldenEye, and I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. It's It's been fun. 
And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.